Is it just me or does it seem that Christmas was five months ago already? <laughs> but last week we celebrated the last Sunday of the Christmas season, but it is wild to think that it was Christmas was only three weeks ago. And I think as quick as Christmas and New Year's and the holidays can come and go, the joy associated with the season of Christmas, New Year's, holidays can also come and go just as quickly. Doesn't seem that there's as much joy taking the Christmas tree down as there was putting it up. Doesn't seem to be as much joy in January receiving the bills of the, of the, of the Christmas gifts that you bought versus the joy of seeing the kids and grandkids opening them. There doesn't seem to be as much joy now being sick after the joy of being with family over the holidays. The reality is there's no shortage of things that try to attempt to rob us of our joy. Maybe especially the case, at least it seems to me this time of year, it's cold, holidays just got over, now we're just back in maybe the lull. External things that attempt to rob us of our joy. Just the news, turning the news on, COVID, another virus, peaks of the virus, the economy, inflation, the Bears not being in the playoffs again, <laughs> and seemingly having no clue what the heck they're doing. All external things, but there's also internal things, things that we can't control that can rob us of joy. Things that we do, mindsets that we have, things that we say can rob us of joy. And there's enough like external things out there, things I just mentioned, not to mention, as we looked at a number of weeks ago in our Advent series, John 10.10, the external Satan. Right? John 10.10 10 says that the thief, the devil, came to kill, to steal, and destroy. Elsewhere, 1 Peter 5.8, the devil prowls around like a, or like a roaring lion looking to devour. He's constantly on the search. One way he devours, he wants to rob us of joy, the Christian joy that's in us. It's his MO, it's what he does. And so there's enough things out there, external things, that attempt to rob us for joy. The last thing we need to do is dogpile on top of that by having internal things, things of which we can control then that rob us for joy. And that's what we're going to look at the next three weeks, a new preaching series, these next three weeks entitled Robbers of Joy. And then this week, specifically, we're going to look at faulty expectations, faulty expectations, expectations that we have that can rob us of joy. Now, expectations in general, they're powerful. We know this to be true. Un, we, can, we can have an expectation for something, and when it goes unmet, when there's an unfulfilled expectation, it can be met with tons of pain. Talked to a number of people after the holidays and mentioned that they had all these expectations in, in, of, of getting with their family over the holidays. And then before the holidays hit, everyone got sick. And so another year of not being with family for some people, again. Unmet expectations bring pain. So this isn't for us to say expectations are bad and we're supposed to just kill our desires, kill expectation, Anything we have, just brush it on the rug. No, that'd be Stoics. We don't, as Christians, that's not us. But faulty expectations is the problem. 
faulty expectations that we have about ourselves and faulty expectations that we have about God are two things that rob us of joy. The robbers of joy. And if we're not careful, we can find ourselves living a joyless life with these faulty expectations. But I think with a biblical mindset, both of those faulty expectations about ourselves and about God can be avoided and they must be avoided for us to live a joyful life and not to have our joy be robbed. And so our gospel today, we heard that famous account of the marriage feast at Cana where Jesus turns water into wine and you have that bizarre exchange between Mary Jesus, and, Mary and Jesus. When the wine runs out, right, which again, it's important to remember that that's an unthinkable thing to happen. In the culture back then, if you were to run out of wine at a, at a wedding feast, it was to bring unthinkable amount of shame upon the family. And so Mary notices this in verse three, she says to Jesus, her son says, they have no wine. And remember Jesus's word says, woman, how does this concern of yours affect me? Now we looked at that a couple weeks ago too. Remember kids, that's not a good idea for you to go home and try that, right? <laughs> right, it's not like your mom calls you down from your room and says, I need help setting the table. You don't come down the stairs and say, woman, what concern of this of yours is this for me? Okay, don't do that. That's not what Jesus is doing either. Remember we looked at calling Mary woman at this point is to identify her as the new Eve. To identify her with the new woman from, Eve, from Genesis chapter three, that now is the time. She's gonna, her offspring is gonna be the one who's gonna crush the head of the serpent and kill sin and kill death. The time has arrived, his hour has come, this is it. Mary then turns to the servant after this and she says to the servants, do whatever he tells you. In verse seven, Jesus then tells the servants, fill the jars with water. Imagine being, for, imagine being the servants here at this moment. Put your place in the servant's shoes. You gotta figure they're like, wait, wait, wait a minute, don't put this on us. Don't get us involved in this. What do you expect us to do about this? You expect us to, as this thing is going downhill and it's gonna be really bad really quick, you expect us to do something about this and get wine out of somewhere? But that's not their reaction. That's not what the scripture says. Jesus says, fill the jars with water and there's a period. And the next line says, and this is key. It says, they filled them to the brim. The servants simply did what they were capable of doing. Like they didn't have this unrealistic expectation that they were somehow gonna get wine here. Jesus just says, fill the water. That's all I'm asking. And what they did is what they were capable of doing. There are times like I think in the midst, of the midst of the of the daily grind in life where we can get in the spot where it's like, Lord, this is all I've got. This is all I can give. I am literally not capable of giving more than what I'm giving. And it's a really tough spot to be in when you're in that spot to realize that, that it's still not enough. I'm giving you everything I have, Lord. I, I'm not capable of giving anything more. And in this spot of thinking, it's still not enough. I tell you what, six months as a pastor now, I've become, over the course of the last six months, I've become painfully 
aware of all my inadequacies. All the different, like, th I'm 35 years old, all the 35 years, these six months, with the, with just the role as a pastor, which the job description as you're in seminary or when the bishop pick says you're gonna become the pastor of a spot, it doesn't tell you all the job descriptions, right? <laughs> Similar to as a, a parent, before you have kids or before you get married or even or maybe a particular job, you're not told everything. Now this isn't like to say, oh, poor us, poor Father Mark here. First, our second reading, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 talks about, we all have different gifts. No one's the whole package. Everyone has different strengths and weaknesses. But we can, in the midst of the daily grind, as mom, as dad, as spouse, as priest, to say, in the realization, like, I'm just inadequate here. I'm not capable of giving what it seemingly needs to be given. This is all I've got. The things that I can bring to the table is just this, and I, and I feel it's not enough. It's like, I'm just given water. All I can give is water because that's all the heck I have and I can't give more. And Jesus says, I'm not asking you to get the wine. Just fill the jugs with water. Fill them with water. That's all I'm asking you to do. Fill the jugs with water. And here's the thing, it, like in these spots when we confront when we confront our limitations, when we confront our weaknesses, if when we confront them, we still live in a mindset where we think we have to give more than what we're capable of giving, that sucks the joy right out of us. It robs us of joy. And it can, it can, be, it can lead us to a spot of not wanting to keep going. Of not taking the next step, the next day as mom, as spouse, as priests, what have you. Imagine the servants for a minute, right? Imagine the servants if they're in the spot of thinking that they have to do the impossible, if they had to somehow get wine, they would instantly be robbed of peace. They would instantly be in this spot where their joy's gone. They're all of a sudden at a wedding piece or wedding feast. They can be at a wedding feast all they want, but they're really not at a wedding feast because their joy's gone. Thinking that they have to do something that they're not capable of doing. And I think a lot of us live in that spot way too often. And the Lord over and over again says, I'm, I'm just asking you to fill the jugs of water. I'm just asking you to do what you're capable of doing. And let me take the water and change it to wine. I think the, I think the objector to this, and, and there's a part of me in this too, the objector to all of this is says, just be more productive. Like increase productivity, do better, be better, and like, I'm all about that. Those that know me well, I'm all about that. Like 100% strive for excellence. We talk about having a high bar, but we've got to realize that we're simply not enough. Like we can be busting it all the time. The gospel is we constantly fall short. That's the gospel. That our humanity is broken and we fall short. The wine will always run out. That's why he came. That's why he needed to come. We looked at a number of months ago, Hebrews chapter four, verse 15, it says, we do not have a high priest that's unable to sympathize with our weaknesses. That God took on flesh and he rubs up right against our weaknesses, our faults, our limitations, 
So we must do the same. We've got to confront our weaknesses and our limitations because God does in us. We need, as Christians, we have to confront our poverty. That's a big part of Christianity. And it's a big part of living a, a joyful life. It's confronting our poverty, confronting our humanity. We need Jesus to save us. We need him. He's like, you're not making more wine here. It's not gonna happen. Just fill the jugs with water. I'm only asking you to do what you're capable of doing. So stop having faulty expectations because it robs you of joy. And so just briefly here, the next move is, is faulty expectations that we have of God. Having faulty expectations of God as robber of joy. Let's not get lost in all this, the fact that God here changes water into wine. God does the miraculous. Too often, I think our, expect, our expectations of God are too small. The expectations that we have for ourselves are too high and the expectations that we have for God are too low. From the words of Jesus himself in Luke chapter 18, 27, he says, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Do we believe that this morning? It's like where wine is needed and we are all confronted in spots as we come here this morning with a number of different things in our lives in this or that where it's like wine is needed here in this spot. It's run out. Wine is needed. Like a rut of unforgiveness that we're in a spot of bitterness over some, with someone that we just can't get over, a vice or a habit that we can't kick. As Christians, we believe that the Holy Spirit, that is God that lives within us now, can give us power to do things of which otherwise we don't have power to do on our own. Do you believe that this morning? Do I? To count on him to do the impossible, to count on him to do the impossible when we receive him in the Eucharist here in a matter of moments that he can, he can affect change in our life because God can do the impossible. So we need to count on him. Where do you need God to act this morning in your life? Where do you need him to act? Where do you long and need him to act? Where do you need more, where do you need more wine? Where has it run out? He's only asking you and I to fill the jugs with water. Satan robs of joy, it's his MO. He attempts to rob us of joy. He's constantly on the lookout doing it, prowling around to do it, and he's good at it. And we'll continue these next two weeks to look at the scriptures. We'll be spending time in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 to see where we need to be on the guard of things of which that try to rob us of joy. There are enough external things out there going on in the world that is constantly trying to rob us of joy. The last thing we need is to allow our own faulty expectations of either ourselves or God robbing us of joy.